Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome. This is the Futures Focus Podcast. My name is Alex Sanchez and I am here with David Gasper. We are writers for the website prospects1500.com and we are here to go over a couple of top 50 systems and hopefully get this podcast out to you guys on a regular basis. Uh, It's been a while since the last Features Focus podcast, but I think that we have a good team here. We're going to have, we have a lot of guests lined up and all sorts of stuff. So uh, David, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm David Gasper. I've been uh, with Prospects 1500 for a couple months now. I'm just doing my first year for the uh, as as a Brewers correspondent. I'm doing my Brewers top 50 list. Um, that's going to be coming out uh, pretty quickly here. Uh, been the site editor at reviewingthebrew.com, covering the Brewers since uh, 2018. So, you know, been writing about the brewers, been been going to brewer stuff for for quite a while. And, you know, it's it's really kind of been fun uh, being able to get a closer look at the prospects here um, over the past couple of months and and getting these top fifties rolling. And and it's been a it's been a fun time. It's it's a fun group that we have here. Absolutely. And this is the best time of year. I don't know too many publications out there that are being able to deliver top fifty prospects every single day. And we have an individual writer for each system, which is just, I, I think it's very unique and you get a lot of insight. And I, I've tended to trust these writers more than, let's say, uh, well, I won't mention any other publications, but, you know, when you have two or three writers trying to go over every team's prospect, I just feel like you get a little bit more um, personality here with each top 50 list. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that I think is really special to prospects 1500 and it it gives you know someone who who can give that stronger focus to one system um and something that's a bit more accurate i I think because when you have you know some of these guys are looking at you know they're they're just looking at systems for the first time they're looking at it from the outside but you know for a lot of these guys you know that they're fans of of the teams that that they're uh, covering or that they've been watching them for a couple of years even before they got to uh, here, so it's something that uh, is really, I think, special to hear and makes the the list that much uh, better. Absolutely, and I will admit the one thing that we need to get out a little bit more is a podcast, and that's why you and I are here today. And we're going to try to get this out on a weekly basis. That's our goal. Um, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how well we are in this podcast world. But uh, let's just get right into it. I have a couple of things that I wanted to start with, and then we're going to jump into the Seattle Mariners system and the Arizona Diamondbacks system. Uh, It was hard to pick just two. I know, like I said, we have one out every day, but I had to pick two that were kind of the most interesting to me right now. So uh, before we get into those, I wanted to just kind of go over a little bit of some news that I was, you know, watching for uh, throughout the week. Uh, number one was that Joey Bart, prospect catcher for the San Francisco Giants, is going to start the year in the minors. How long do you think he's going to stay down there? And what do you think about him as he comes up? Yeah, Joey Bart's a guy that, you know, he's really kind of the catcher of the future. Uh, it looks like for the San Francisco Giants, Buster Posey opted out in 2020. So that really kind of pushed Bart 
uh, up to the the big league level where he got some opportunities. He didn't do that well at the big league level. And I mean, prior to the season, he only had 22 games at Double A. That that was the the biggest level of experience that he had had. So there wasn't you know that much there. there there's still possibly some more development to go for him. Uh, Posey has one more year left on his contract, and de- depending on how that goes, they could just let him play it out, and, and Bart can spend more of the time in in Triple A. Uh, fig- making sure that his bat is is good to go starting next year, and you know, depending on if there's an injury or ineffectiveness from Buster Posey, then maybe he could come up and and, and take that starting job. But you know, w- with Buster Posey there for one more year, it's a little hard to unseat Buster Posey. Yeah, and uh, Posey theoretically would be pretty fresh after taking the year off. Although I imagine he gets a lot of games at first base too. And then don't forget, Patrick Bailey also drafted by the Giants this last year, uh, switching catcher prospect who looks pretty good too. So they got they like catchers there in San Francisco and they have for a while. Uh, On to the Detroit Tigers system. A couple of news notes here that I have is a former top prospect. I don't know if he's a top prospect anymore, but Alex Fado is going to have Tommy John surgery. So if you were rostering him and you're wondering why you don't see him anywhere, uh, in terms of the stats for 2021, he's probably out for the entire year. That's the bad news. The good news is that the other two stud prospects for the Detroit Tigers on the mound, Tariq Skubal and Casey Mize, are probably going to be competing for rotation spots. Do you think they start the year in the majors? And what do you think of their potential ceiling there? I mean, both of those guys, uh, Mize, or Mize and uh, Skubal, uh, are guys that I'm certainly excited about just looking at them. I mean, Scooble, the, the lefty's got, you know, four really good pitches. Uh, and he's a guy that, that can be really good going forward. Um, you know, I, I think with Detroit, they've had struggles in, in their um, rotation for a while. I mean, they, they've got Matthew Boyd in there. And, you know, I, I've heard a whole bunch of, you know, great things about how Matthew Boyd is this really good pitcher, but he's got an ERA over five in his career. I mean, he, he really hasn't been able to put it all together. Uh, and then they really could use some help in that rotation. And even though Mize and Scooble didn't have the greatest debuts in 2020, I mean, it, it was an odd season for everybody, but those are guys that I, I definitely think should be given a chance to, to get, to get an opportunity in the rotation in 2021 and really just kind of see what they can do and start moving the future forward uh, for the for the Tigers. And and for Alex Fido, like that, that was a guy that I loved going into the draft in 2017. Like, like I was looking at him, he was dominating there for Florida. And, and he was someone that I really kind of wanted the, the Brewers to take at nine that year. But they took Keston Hira instead, which, you know, that that's kind of worked out so far. Uh, but yeah, for... For Fido, like he's he's still got a chance to be a, a pretty good starter. He's probably not going to be a number one or a number two guy, um, even when he comes back from Tommy John surgery. But you know he can still be a serviceable starting pitcher uh, in the big leagues going forward. And you know it's just a matter of him staying healthy uh, and being able to reach that potential. Yeah, somebody to maybe look for in dynasty leagues that gets dropped this year because he does have that pedigree, like you said, and. Uh, we both liked him a lot when he was getting drafted a few years ago. Um, and then this is also the standard fun part to mention that, you know, don't forget Tariq Skubal had 179 strikeouts in 122 innings in 2019, which is just ridiculous. For me, to be honest, 
I have Scooble ahead of Mize for fantasy dynasty purposes, and that's you know where our site is catered around. Uh, real life, I like Mize a little bit more because of the. I think he's gonna. He just lacks the strikeouts that Scooble has. Um, but both guys, I think, probably are here to stay for the long term in Detroit. The last piece of news that I had on my agenda here were the potential trades of Chris Bryant and Andrew Benatendi. And just just a, a public service announcement more than anything is that watch out for the prospects that get dealt for those guys. I'd imagine prospects are coming back in both of those deals, although I guess Chris Bryant could be something a little unique with his contract and everything, but um, should be some more prospects changing hands here in the future. Any uh, just crazy predictions where those two might end up? I, I don't, I don't have any necessary predictions for, for where they might go. Um, I, I've heard that the nationals were looking at Chris Bryant um, and that could be a possibility, but if the nationals aren't going to give up Jackson Rutledge or Cade Cavalli, uh, it, it might be a little bit difficult for them to, to snag a deal, but you know, really just kind of for, for both of these guys, the prospect return may not be what fans are, are normally expecting when it comes to trades of, of players like this. Because when, when you look at the U Darvish trade and, and the Blake Snell and, and um, all the other kind of big trades this year, the prospect return hasn't really been as big as everyone expected. You know, they've been fairly light returns. So... When, when it comes to just kind of the baseball side of uh, a Chris Bryant trade or uh, an Andrew Benatendi trade, the quality of the prospects or the number of prospects may not be what everyone is expecting going back in return. I honestly think that the haul for Benatendi would be the biggest out of all those guys you mentioned because he has a lot of control left and uh, he's a bat. I think, you know, Chris with the one year left Chris Bryant on his uh, contract. He agreed. I don't think you're getting a huge haul for that, but I think Ben Attendee might actually get something. I don't know why the Red Sox are looking to trade him now. Um, that could be Scott Green's call. <laughs> you can comment on that because uh, you're definitely selling low on him. Two years, kind of just mediocre at best for him, but we'll see what the, where those guys go. And it's interesting that you say, you know, the prospect haul has been pretty light. We'll see if these guys can change that. Um, the next thing I wanted to cover before we get to our systems today were uh, how is your top 50 list going? And again, what is kind of your process when you are creating your top 50 list? And just so the listeners can get an idea of kind of how we go about doing this individually. So how's your top 50 going and what's your process like? My top 50 is is done. Uh, my due date was the other day, and, and it's getting posted uh, Friday morning here. So uh, it, it's going to be the next one out of the shoot. Um, you know, my, my process, it, I was really just kind of, you know, feeling it out as I went along. This is the first time I've done a, a full top 50 list. You know, I, I went through, I basically just kind of listed out all the, pretty much most of the minor leaguers that the Brewers still have remaining um, by position group. Um, outfielders, infielders, catchers, lefties, righties, um, and just kind of going through the going through the names, going through the scouting reports, going through the the stats, the numbers that they've put up, um, and, and just kind of looking at you know what their potential ceiling might be. Look at what their risk factors are, um, and, and just kind of going through you know w- which guys 
you know, really kind of are underrated by, by other places, um, which guys might jump out, um, which guys had the skill set to really kind of jump out. So it, it was just kind of a, of a feeling it out process um, yeah. and just kind of, you know, looking at the names, looking at what they're putting up and, and what their potential future roles are um, and, and just trying to, to place them in a list. Um, it, and, you know, I think it turned out well and uh, we'll, we'll see when it, when it uh, gets posted. Any teaser that you can give our people that uh, you might want to share? Um, I, I will say this about the brewer system. It, it's something that it, it gets looked down upon. You know, uh, everyone looks at the brewer system as, as one of the worst uh, in baseball. Um, but it's something that I, I think it's got a lot of talent, but it's all super young and way down in the low levels. And a lot of these guys are, are kind of boomer bust be, and we haven't really seen anything of them. I, I think of my top 15 seven or eight of them have not played a game in pro baseball. Either they're wow. new draft picks or they were international signees that didn't get a chance in the Dominican Summer League. Um, but yeah, a whole bunch of those guys in the top haven't played a game of pro baseball. And, you know, when they actually do get a chance to play in, in affiliated ball um, outside of instructional league or the, or the alternate training sites, but when they do get that chance, you know, I, I think then everyone will kind of look as like, hey, there's a lot of talent in this system. But since that hasn't happened yet and they weren't able to, to play it all in 2020, uh, it, it really just kind of keeps the brewer system rated pretty poorly. Um, but a lot of these guys, there's a lot to be excited about um, based on the scouting reports, based on everything that that I've heard on, in the videos that I've seen from these players. But there's no, there's not much for for game numbers. There's not much for track records uh, in pro ball for these guys. So it, it makes it a little bit tougher to to judge them. Well, I think that you have a great advantage because you're coming from a lot of experience <laughs> with your Brewers. You're, you're you know for a couple of years you've known the system. Um, for me, this is exciting because this is like the first time maybe the second time now that I've had uh, to kind of do a top 50 list for the same team. I came into the website just kind of going with the Astros and the Orioles, and I didn't know much about those things. So it was a lot of research. And now I'm putting, uh, you know, guys in order that I've known for a year or two now, and it's uh, it's exciting. So uh, again, for those that don't know, I am the Padres writer for the site. And uh, my mine's due out uh, the 23rd, first or so it's a, in a week or two the Padres are a little bit later down the line but um yeah my system was uh depleted <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say you probably had half your top 50 just get traded away yeah I, I did it 23 of my top 50 are uh graduated or traded so wow. <laughs> I was like okay let's let's learn 23 new players as we go uh, but it was it wasn't quite like that but it was a lot of overhaul and we it's not like we got new prospects in either we got a lot of the major league players so <laughs> it'll be it's been fun going and i love doing the write-ups i think that's my favorite part so anyway let's get to the main uh meat and potatoes of our episodes and that is going over two of my favorite systems um one the seattle mariners which i think everybody can agree is i don't know in my mind it's the best system in the minors do you what do you think 
I don't know. It's tough to top the race system, especially after yeah. what they added from the Blake Snell trade. Um, but I mean, the Mariners, uh, they're probably, a, I'd say a top five system for sure. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, they, they, they get into the question of number one because of the top two guys. I mean, we're talking top five prospects in all of baseball, of course, being outfielder Jared Kelenic and uh, outfielder Julio Rodriguez. I think they're pretty much top five prospects no matter what website you go to. Um, Julio is a, a huge favorite of mine. Um, on our website, the, um, the video of him hitting that opposite field home run it, um, just got me all excited all over again. So I think Julio has just an enormous ceiling and then he's not even ranked number one in our system um this list done by joe rush um as well so check that out on the site he has kelenic number one do you do you care who's number one or do you have a preference on one and two well my my favorite is kelenic um i i would put him number one personally um but also like you know, Kalanick, he's he's from Waukesha, Wisconsin, drafted out of out of high school from Waukesha West. He grew up five minutes down the road from me. Like, so he's he's cool. he's a local guy for me. So I'm I'm just kind of a little bit more like biased and, and, a, and a big fan of Kalanick. But I mean that the outfield for the Mariners going forward is going to be ridiculous. He, you already got Kyle Lewis up there. Then you mm-hmm. got Jared Kelenic, who's just about ready. You got Julio Rodriguez coming up. Um, they got uh, they got a couple other top uh, outfielders in their system too. Yeah, you know, Taylor like, Trammell. People like I don't like Trammell as much, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, outfield is set, and it's almost to the point where is Kyle Lewis the odd man out? You know, that's how good these yeah. prospects could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kyle Lewis is it, it, luckily for him, he got there first, so he he's the first guy out there, and and he can lock down a job. And I mean, he won the Rookie of the Year this year, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. So it, it's hard to kind of treat that guy as the odd man out going forward. But he, even with how good uh, Kellenick and Rodriguez can be, but yeah, like that's that's going to be a scary good outfield that that Jerry Depoto has has built out there. Absolutely, and and. For fantasy purposes, I think I agree with you with Kellenic being at the top because he is going to be a potential, you know, 30-30 guy, maybe 30-20 guy, even perhaps better than that. I think that and a great average. So you're going to get a lot of fantasy value with him, whereas Julio, the speed might be there to begin his career. And by speed, I mean maybe 15 stolen bases. But even then, that's probably the high point of his career. He's not going to be stealing bases in to his prime, kind of like a, like he reminds me of like an Eloy Jimenez type of thing where he's just going to get a, a great batting average and huge power, but the stolen bases kind of put Kellenic over the top. It's just so hard to find power in stolen bases now that um, I, I think I agree with you guys for number yeah, one. And I think with, you know, Kellenic too, he's certainly going to be providing more fantasy value in 2021 than Robinson Cano. Uh, they got boring. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, sorry to all the all the Mets fans listening to to remind you of that, but yeah, that's just I I still can't believe that trade and Jerry Depoto's working some some magic there. Depoto's really turned it around. I remember his he was the guy that traded everybody, and then all of a sudden he kind of flipped a switch, and then he he's 
been the guy acquiring all of these prospects. So I'm, I'm taking a look at the depth chart right now. It's Jake Fraley, Kyle Lewis, and Mitch Haniger in the outfield. So we're going to see Kellenic really, really quick. I don't think we see Julio this year, uh, maybe at the end, but uh, by next year, I imagine that's the outfield with, uh, you know, Tramel and uh, Haniger probably gets traded at some point, I would imagine as well. So those, those two are amazing. But I think the thing that really surprised me when I was taking a bigger look at this system is the amount of pitching prospects that these guys have and how well they've developed. I remember uh, hearing about Logan Gilbert last, you know, and George Kirby were the two draft picks that they had. Um, and, you know, I, I was like, okay, these guys are okay. And then apparently just their progression has been out of this world. And now he has uh, Gilbert at number four and their most recent draft pick, Emerson Hancock at number three. So we got some big upside arms, which is good because while I was on the depth chart for the Mariners, I saw their pitching rotation and I threw up a little bit in my mouth because it is not good. <laughs> so these guys are going to be coming up and uh, they're going to be coming up soon. Of those three, which one do you really uh, prefer? Kirby, George Kirby, um, Logan Gilbert and Emerson Hancock. We were having a debate on this, too. So where do, where do you have them at? I mean, all, all three are really good guys that um, you really couldn't complain about having. Um, Emerson Hancock, I mean, big, big name going into the draft. I, I think that was a, a great get for them. Logan, Gil Logan Gilbert is a guy that, uh, I'm really excited about. I was excited about him at the draft. Um, I was hoping he'd, he'd fall a little bit more, but, uh, he, he did not. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's been doing great. Uh, Gilbert's a guy that I think is going to be, uh, really good going forward and he's going to provide, you know, a lot of value fantasy wise, and he's going to be a really great pitcher for the Mariners for the next several years. Yep. I agree. And I think it was quite a statement, actually. He has Emerson Hancock in the tier one category. So he is a firm believer in Hancock, but I think I'm going with Logan Gilbert as my preferred choice, but all three of these guys, man, they're going to be really, really good. Um, after that, he has Noel Ve Marte at number five. And a guy I wanted to talk about at number six was Taylor Trammell. And I wanted to talk about him because I'm pretty familiar with him as a former Padres farmhand. I was actually surprised to see Trammell uh, this high. I guess I probably don't put him much lower. I probably put him behind Kirby. Um, but I, I don't know about Trammell anymore. Now, the big thing with him was that he changed his swing. He, he was the playoff MVP and and things were changing in San Diego. But if things were changing so well, I don't know why they were willing to trade him to Seattle for Austin Nola, who in my mind uh, is not worth one of your top prospects. So to me, that trade signified that uh, something something's not quite all there with him, which is why the Padres were willing to trade him. Because don't forget, they also gave Andres Munoz in that same deal. And when you look at some of the other trades that they were making during 2020, um, they just weren't giving up much. So to me, Trammell is a little overrated as a, uh, as a, a former Padres guy, but here he is at number six. Um, do you have any thoughts you wanted to add there on Trammell? Yeah, I think with Trammell, when you're traded twice within two years, um, it's generally not a good sign for, um, your, your prospect status, uh, when you get traded that, that often and, and that quickly. Um, 
But I mean, there's also a, a pretty strong outfield already in in San Diego. You got Tommy Pham, you got Trent Grisham, uh, you got Will Myers. You know, they, they have plenty of guys. They don't necessarily need him. So even even though they traded him away, and and it's the second time that he's been traded, I don't know if it's necessarily because he's just simply not doing well, or if it's just because you know he's getting close to ready, and the Padres just don't have a spot for him. Mm-hmm. So it's best to trade him now while he still has some sort of value. Um, but I mean, now that he goes to Seattle, you know, he could yeah. end up being behind Kyle Lewis and Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. And then he's also kind of out of a spot there. And then just kind of more, you know, Tramiel getting passed around the league uh, until he can find a home. So it's, you know, maybe a little bit concerning. I I wouldn't quite, um, you know, pull the parachute just yet or or whatever the the correct idiom is there. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's generally not good to see a guy traded twice within two years. Yeah, and I think dynasty owners – will always value him highly because of that power-speed combo. But to me, the power isn't quite enough to make it worth uh, selling out for. I think it's, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 home run power. is still pretty good, no doubt. And then, the, you know, the speed will be what you, you're getting for him. But like you said, with that outfield, I, I can't see a way that he makes it into that outfield. So, you know, I, I just don't know if that the value is is quite there if we're looking at this from a fantasy standpoint. Um, moving down the list here a little bit, um, I wanted to talk about number 11, a recently acquired draft pick, a uh, second round draft pick, Zach Deloach. He's one of my uh, sleepers in this system, although number 11 is not a true sleeper, I suppose, but I really, really like what Deloach has to bring. He has shown a lot of power improvement after a, kind of a disappointing career at Texas A&M where he just never kind of, you know, reached the ceiling that many thought that he was capable of. But all of a sudden, a little bit of an adjustment in his swing. And now we're looking at uh, all this power and this great loft, which he's showing, makes Deloach. Uh, you know, I like I like these guys that have these little tweaks that have an explanation on why they're being successful all of a sudden. I tend to be a little bit more hesitant for guys that are just randomly successful with no explanation. But to me, this is a really good um, reason to believe in Deloach going forward, Um, uh, a sleeper of mine. Um, This is a good time, I think, to to mention uh, who's a sleeper for you in in the system for the Mariners here. So a a guy that uh, I have some familiarity with and and a guy that I, I think could be a sleeper uh, is Adam Hill. He's down at, I think, number 46 on the yeah, list. He like he, he's, he's way <laughs> down there. But Adam Hill's a guy that he came over in the Omar Narvaez trade uh, last year. And, you know, I, I know I was just talking about guys getting traded twice and, and you got to be wary of them. But, you know, a- Adam Hill, you know, he's also been traded twice. But just kind of, you know, looking at the stuff that he put up, um, and, and just, you know, he's got good fastball velocity, put up really good numbers in 2019. Um, you know, I, I think the, the trade of him also wasn't necessarily related to uh, his prospects as being low, but just because the Brewers believed in, in Narvaez and that's why they were willing to give up, mm-hmm. uh, someone like, like Hill and, and the Mariners believed in Narvaez because they, they really just kind of took Hill and, uh, and a late comp pick. So, 
you know, I, I think it says a, that there's a lot of talent there that the Mariners see in Adam Hill. And, you know, he may be a little bit further away, but, but he's a guy that uh, could end up being, you know, a, a solid contributor at some point down the line and, you know, just needs a little bit more development. And with the way the Mariners have been going with their pitching development, you know, he's someone that really kind of could uh, come up. Yep, 6'6", six, six, good body there. A little yeah, older, though, 23. So, I mean, the, the clock's ticking on him. He might be yeah. a guy that jumps up quickly here. Well, the yeah, other guy, I mean, when you're more. a six foot six and you and you throw mid nineties like that, that mm-hmm. that'll play. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, cool. Yeah, you went way down there. Uh, we should probably move uh, quickly through this list as we go. So, if, my apologies if we're skipping anybody that you were really interested in. There's just obviously not enough time to go over all fifty. Um, but you know, another uh, I mentioned Andres Munoz at number twelve. He's the guy that ends the tier two list. I think that's uh, pretty appropriate. Um, I like where he grouped those guys and then we're into, to tier number three with, uh, you know, the Isaiah Campbell, Joey Gerber, Sam Carlson. Um, I like Jonathan Kleiss, um, at number 16, he's really, really young. We haven't seen him in pro ball either, but there has been, uh, he got a huge speed grade that could be, you know, 40 stolen base material down the line. Then of course those guys should jump out at you for fantasy purposes at number 18 Austin Shenton is a guy that I think is a little underrated he um he was drafted in the fifth round of 2019 he's kind of a professional hitter type that I uh, I have come to kind of think is a little underrated as well at third base uh so look for him this year um Jake Fraley still around at number 20 he he might be the starter in the outfield uh, a guy that was drafted in 2020, Kaden uh, Polkovich, also a, a nice selection there. I think they had a really good 2020 draft. And, uh, you know, I can't read all of these guys, but, um, yeah, anything else you wanted to add to this system before we move on to our Diamondbacks? Yeah, I think just uh, just one more guy, uh, Juan then. Uh, then, then, I don't know. Uh, I think he's at number 10. Um, yeah. but, but he's got, you know, got a good fastball. He's got good command and good control. Uh, someone that, that could be a starter down the line, uh, very interesting player. Uh, someone that, um, could be, um, showing up, um, you know, maybe in another year or so, but you know, he, he could be a guy to look at as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hate that we weren't able to talk about Noel de Marte. I think he is fantastic, but, um, I think, most of the people listening to us probably already know that he's pretty damn good. So, yeah, that uh, we didn't forget about him. We just need to move on here. So um, we're going to our second system. And while it doesn't get the notoriety that the Mariner system is getting now, I think it is vastly underrated. And to be honest, it's very similar into the, to the Mariners in that you have two just absolute stud outfielders at the top. Very similar, actually, to be honest, with Corbin Carroll kind of being the their Jared uh, Kellenick speed power combo, does it all, great hit tool, and then you have the Christian Robinson, uh, Christian Robinson, uh, absolute athletic monster who we don't know too much about because he's so young, but to me, he's Julio Rodriguez. So the, the comparisons between these two systems are actually pretty close or at least closer than you might imagine. So what are your initial thoughts when you took a look at these top 50 prospects for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Yeah, the Diamondbacks also have a very strong outfield group um, with, with, 
you know, Carroll with Robinson with Alec Thomas. Um, then they got Dalton Varsho who catches and also plays some outfield. Uh, so they they also have a very strong outfield contingent. Uh, Corbin Carroll's probably my favorite guy of the whole group. Um, like you said, the power speed combo, um, just his his ability to to hit um, to to get on base. You know, he's a guy that I, I think is really exciting and and going to be a a huge guy for Arizona going forward. I love Carroll too. I think he's very safe. If I were uh, you know, in a dynasty league and he was available to me, I think you can still get him relatively cheap to where he's, his potential ceiling is. I don't think he's cheap by any means, but I think you can get him for a little bit less than he's actually worth. And I would do so because he is going to be in the big leagues. He is a really, really solid player. The guy that's a little riskier is Christian Robinson, but man, the guy looks like an NFL wide receiver and he has, uh, I think he put on something like 20 pounds of muscle during 2021. Well, he wasn't able to play. He was able to go work out. So that guy could just be an absolute monster. Um, By the way, this list was a collaboration of many writers for Prospects 1500. So uh, this is a really cool list because you get, I think we had six or seven different people. We all ranked them and then we all took the guys that we really liked. So if every write-up of these guys seems to be too positive that's probably why is that you're getting you're getting uh, the writers that actually like these guys write about them so you're getting the you know the best case scenario um those were the tier one prospects uh down in tier two though there's still some really good things to like here you have alec thomas you have uh dalton varsho who has already been up and you might be able to snag catcher eligibility out even though he's he's a center he could be be a center fielder for them. He played center field for them in 2020. Um, Geraldo Cardamo is a shortstop. He's a very safe bet to make the major leagues because of his glove and good hit tool as a switch hitter. He's not going to risk a platoon option. I think he is a really good bet to be just a, a solid fantasy shortstop for years and years to come. Um, and that was it for tier two. So where the this is probably where the system's kind of differ in that, yeah, the tops are really good, but the middle tier two for the Mariners was much, much bigger than what we have here for the Diamondbacks. And I think that's appropriate because after we get into tier three, we have a lot of guys that are more sleepers than they are well-known in the fantasy community. So anybody here in uh, tier three that catches your eye that you wanted to talk about, Dave? Um. In in tier three, just just kind of one guy that that sticks out, Seth Beer, what was a dude that he really just kind of was a big college player, like he was really good in college, but professionally, like there was always kind of concerns about whether his game would translate, um, and, and plus his defense really isn't that great, uh, and especially with Christian Walker uh, being the number one first baseman out there in Arizona, you know, it, it really just kind of seems like he's not going to be. Uh, getting much um, in, in terms of value. One guy I definitely like, though, is Bryce Jarvis. Um, they're at 11. You know, really good pitcher coming out of Duke, just drafted this past year. Um, really strong strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, you know, someone that, you know, could probably go through the minor leagues rather quickly uh, as, as an advanced college arm, so... In terms of tier three, yeah, that those are a, a couple of guys that really kind of stick out. Yeah, beer is. Uh, I've been wondering 
what's you know what's taking him so long as an advanced hitter he's 24 now he hasn't you know he hasn't made his mark in the majors uh, I'm wondering what's taking so long and you said Christian Walker and uh, you know if you know to me Christian Walker is a good player but you know he, he shouldn't be blocking somebody that has a uh, the bat that beer is supposed to have so definitely some concerns because he can only play first base I don't think he's going to be an, an no. outfielder yeah. and uh, unless the DH comes I don't know you know I don't know what he needs to do here um, I like the Jarvis pick one guy I wanted to mention is at number 12 that's Corbin Martin former Astros prospect uh, he gets he's in at number 12 I actually ranked him in number six and when I was doing my own list for the Diamondbacks because he is big league ready. He has recovered from Tommy John. He has a four-pitch mix that uh, grade to average and above on all of them. Um, I think that Corbin Martin is somebody that's going to help you really, really quickly. He's going to be reaching his prime here. He's 24. He, you know, the Diamondbacks have openings. I think Corbin Martin is a really, really solid player that you could get on the cheap right now because of that Tommy John surgery. And with the success rates of Tommy John surgeries lately, you almost want your guys to have it in the minor leagues so that they, you know, they don't bow out for a season on you when you're on, when they're actually doing the counting stats. So Corbin Martin is a guy I really, really like. Um, we move on here down to the tier four list. Uh, a couple of guys I want to mention, I'll give you a chance as well. Uh, Stuart Fairchild was a guy that they got for Archie Bradley from Cincinnati and then subsequently was uh, non-tendered. <laughs> so a strange trade there, but whatever. It, it netted the Diamondbacks' Stuart Fairchild, who is a do-it-all type of guy. Uh, he's going to give you a little bit of your hit tool, a little bit of a power tool, and a little bit of speed. He's not going to you know, hit 25 home runs or steal you 25 bases, but he is going to make the big leagues. I'm almost assured of that based on what I've seen from him. So you're getting a, you know, a very high floor. And I think that's where tier four really stands out. They're not the most exciting guys ever. And you can go down to Pavin Smith. You can talk about Dominic Fletcher, uh, McCarthy. These guys aren't going to be superstars. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that. But I'm also very confident in that, you know, three of those guys I mentioned are going to be big leaguers someday. I don't know exactly which three, but I feel like they all have the tools to be helpful on a roster. Now, that could be somebody like a fourth outfielder or a pinch hitter or perhaps just a below average regular. But I do think all of those guys have major league tools. So while they may lack some upside, these guys are, you know, very high floor prospects. So anybody else in that, that tier four name uh, group jump out at you? Well, the one guy in that group that, that stuck out to me was, was Paven Smith, because it was not long ago that he was a top 10 overall draft pick, you know, com coming out of college. It's an advanced college bat. You know, he was seen as a pretty safe guy um, and, and, you know, really good hitter. You know, I'm not really sure, you know, why he's, you know, fallen off. Maybe it's his power numbers haven't fully shown up um, as a first baseman, but he's hit fairly well throughout the minors. Um, you know, he, he plays solid defensively and he's a guy that, you know, he really kind of should be, you know, a much bigger, much higher rated prospect than this. I mean, he was, he was a top 10 overall pick and, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's number 17 on the system's rankings. Yeah. You and know? the proximity so it, to the majors is great. I mean, he made it up already. Like he's there, he's ready to go. Yeah. So it's really just kind of battling uh, Christian Walker for playing time. Um, and just kind of seeing who, who's a better player. But, I mean, Smith is someone, 
you know, maybe he's a trade candidate for Arizona, and maybe if he gets traded someplace else um, and, and really kind of gets a chance to start every day, maybe he'd be, you know, certainly worth having on, on your fantasy roster uh, and a guy looking at. But, I mean, for right now, yeah, it, it really kind of seems like a tough path to playing time for him. But if he gets traded someplace else, uh, which I think is probably going to um, – be his future. I don't, I don't think he's going to be staying in Arizona for too long, especially with him and Seth beer and, and they're yeah. all just about ready and they all play first base and you still have Christian Walker there. Yeah. Someone's something's got to give, someone's got to yeah. move. There and, is the caveat that, you know, Pavin is able to play the outfield a little bit more than Seth beer is. And right. the outfield does have immediate openings, but as we mentioned at the top, the long-term openings for those are, are, are almost assuredly not going to be there when the, those other guys are ready because you have three much better outfielder prospects. But for now, I can see Pavin getting into the outfield and getting his bat into the lineup. I mean, all he has to do is beat out Cole Calhoun, um, and then Darton Varsho is out there in center right now on the depth chart. David Peralta, trade candidate. So, like, there are openings out there, and at least pay, uh, Smith can manage the outfield, whereas I don't think Beer you can throw out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Beer... Beer is not someone to be to be thrown out there, um, but yeah, th- that does add some value for him, and, and maybe that leads to Arizona wanting to keep him around for a little bit over someone like Beer. But yeah, it, it just kind of seems like a, a tough way for him to get regular playing time, regular at bats while he's in Arizona, and might need to be traded someplace else that has a immediate first base opening. And, and if he does, I mean, I know Milwaukee has an immediate first base opening. So if you were to get traded there, I, I think that would definitely be something right. that uh, if that happens, you should pick him up in your fantasy league um, yep. and, and really just kind of see what he can do. Because Smith is a left-handed hitter, isn't he? Yeah, he's a left-handed hitter, which, you know, if he gets traded to Milwaukee, lefties play well there. But, yeah, it, it, and really until he gets a better path to playing time, it, it's hard to see him uh, as, as a valuable fantasy prospect. Right. So... I did want to mention a little bit more on those guys that I, I talked about with Dominic Fletcher. Don't forget Dominic Fletcher's brother, David Fletcher, is already a, a pretty well-established big leaguer for the Angels. So that's kind of who we're referring to with Dominic Fletcher. To me, Fletcher actually is a little stronger and more powerful, but he is not going to be on the infield. He's going to be in the outfield. So take that for what you will. That's what I was talking about with these floor you know, these floor prospects. They're going to make it somehow. Um they have the tools. They just might not be superstars. Um, and then I mentioned Jake McCarthy. I think that he gets uh, overlooked a lot because he had, you know, he has 15 home run, 30 stolen base potential in my mind. And again, he's 23. Like all these guys are 23. It's kind of funny. But like I think Jake McCarthy could make a, a splash if somebody struggles in the outfield. Looking down here a little bit further down at 29, Tommy Henry, a nice left-handed pitcher from Michigan, um, had some success there in the College World Series in 2019. He is a guy to keep an eye on. Again, these pitching prospects, they're very similar. They 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 want these guys that can throw hard and uh, they can, you know, that are already pretty well developed. So Tommy Henry is a good example of that. Further down to tier five, um, a guy that I think you're going to hear from is uh, Ryan Nelson. He's going to be a reliever um, although there is some, you know, maybe, no, I, I think he's a reliever for sure, but he could be a closer down the line for them. Um, I think that he is somebody to keep in mind at 
you know, if you see, I'm not saying to go pick up Ryan Nelson if, in your dynasty leagues, but a guy that, you know, when you hear he gets called up, closely monitor him because he's a guy that would be, he's perfect for the closer role with a, a fastball that just goes all over the place. It reminds me of Clark Schmidt's fastball that just, he doesn't know where it's going, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty deadly. So, um, other than that, I think that's pretty much everybody I wanted to mention. Anybody that I've forgot to talk about here in the Diamondbacks? And I don't, I don't think so. Those are really kind of all the guys I was looking at. Yeah, like I said, it's a vastly underrated system, especially at the top. These guys, um, I don't know if it's a West Coast thing or maybe I'm just crazy, but I feel like um, Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll are just not as uh, talked about as some of the guys that they're around at least on my prospect rankings. And um, so I don't know. I, I feel like they can be had for for a lot less than what they're actually worth. Now, Christian Robinson, I have him in a, a dynasty league and I get inquiries about him all of the time. So I think that he's kind of the big hype guy in this system that people think about. But I think that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, again, the Mariners, Diamondbacks, go check out their top 50 list. Also on the website. Um, we have a bunch of other lists to check out. The Giants were posted today. Fun system. Um, we talked about Joey Bart a little bit here already. Uh, you have Marco Luciano, Canario, uh, Luis Matos. Great, great high-end prospects there. It's really developed nicely in the last couple of years after being uh, non-existent there when they were going through the run. We had the Phillies released on uh, January 13th. As a Braves fan, I, I didn't like reading about that, but it's good to see that it's it's not very good. <laughs> um, the Mets pro, uh, the Mets system was released on uh, January 11th. We also have the Rockies and the Royals and the Angels and the Nationals released within this last week. And we're going to have seven more released this week, including yours, the Brewers. Um, why don't you let the people know where we can find you on Twitter? And uh, that way they know how to uh, yell at you for all of your rankings when they are released. <laughs> Well, hopefully they don't yell at me too much, but uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at dgasper24, um, and yeah, I'll be posting about it um, really kind of all day. It's coming out here on Friday, um, so I'll be talking about it there, and it's really kind of all where my uh, brewers' uh, takes and prospect takes uh, are going to be. So yeah, it's I think I'm a fun follow, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> just need other people to continue to believe that. Beautiful. And you can find my Twitter handle at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. And again, I am the Padres uh, prospect guy, but a Braves fan in real life. So uh, those are the two things that I talk about a lot when it comes to my Twitter. Um, but that's going to do it for us. We're going to, again, like I said, try to get this podcast going up regularly, um, especially during this time of year when we have a lot to talk about. And then as the season gets uh, underway, we can worry about stuff we like baseball cards uh, is another topic that we wanted to, to maybe uh shoot on so anyway keep following us and be on the lookout for our next podcast uh, hopefully next week and uh, thanks for listening check out the site see you later <laughs>